What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. On this episode of the Wedgecast, I'm hanging out with Brian Town, who is just a friend. He's just a good man. Uh, he also happens to be the CEO of Michigan Creative, which is this badass video content marketing company based in Lansing, and they are just doing some awesome, awesome, awesome work. I actually got introduced to Brian through a mutual friend, Paul Jakes, and Paul sort of positioned his company as the company that makes companies out there that aren't very well known makes them look really really good and does so by these amazing video content to ultimately attract more talent to the organization i think what they're doing is balling i think brian's balling this is just a fun podcast with a good man tune in brian thanks for being a guest on the wedgecast man hey man thanks a lot i'm excited to be here so i know i canceled on you last time but this time i'm legit and and we will have a good time you're a busy man. You're tough to rope down. I think one of the times we had meet, we were planning to meet. We had like a three foot snowstorm from Holland, so I think I yeah. canceled on you. So we're even. It's all good. Good. Yeah, you had a little better excuse. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> Probably drinking beer or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, right now actually. Perfect. Good. Well, Brian, uh, while you're sipping on a nice little beer, why don't you tell us the story of your life? Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. And and thanks for having me on. I love, I love talking about what, what we've done here at Michigan Creative. And as you know, um, I'm the CEO of Michigan Creative and, and we've been doing that for about eight years now, almost to the day. My history is, is lengthy, um, but pretty, pretty simple. I was a high school uh, educator for pretty much my whole career. That's what I, you know, I didn't go to school for it. I actually went to school for telecommunications and film. 
And I just kind of fell into the education realm by working with some of the, the school districts on their video production programs, because that was pretty hot back in, oh, I'm going to date myself, but 98, 99, that was kind of the thing. And, and I got a great job and got my teaching certificate because um, there was an opportunity to open up a TV studio at Hazlitt High School, which is just east of East Lansing here in Michigan. And a small class B school, but, uh, you know, in a sub, you know, s- suburban area. Um, and they were going to, they just got a new bond and they were going to build a new TV studio and they had just built the foundation of it. And I got hired and, and they said, you're going to fill it and run it and create the curriculum. And so did that for a long time, created a nationally recognized program, had lots of fun doing that, turned out a lot of kids, uh, in the, into the TV film industry. I wish we could do it today. Um, because today I would have done it rather than doing like film and TV and, and creative side of it, I would also run it as a business um, because of all the vast knowledge I have on business now, which is <laughs> very limited. <but laughs> Were you, so like, did you grow up thinking, hey, like I wanna be a school teacher, I, I wanna be in education for like, this was a lifer mentality? No, man, I, you know, I didn't go to school to be an educator at all. I mean, I graduated from, I went to University of Alabama for two years, I went to Michigan State for two years and graduated with a degree in telecommunication and film. My so thought who do you, that I who was do you even, who do you root for in football, real quick? Well, you know, when you are a fan and alumni of the best football team in history, you know, it makes sense to root for Alabama Roll Tide. Um, so because they're going to win. However, I am a, a diehard Michigan State fan. So when they play Michigan State, I root for State, but it's always embarrassing. Um, but I am a I'm a pretty hard Alabama fan. My father went there. My sister went there. My daughter went there. I went there. So. Okay, so you're a legit Alabama fan. I know you're a lot of people are going to turn this. Yes, yes. I'm not a bandwagon. I've been to the games. Yeah, they're going to, a lot of people are turning this podcast off right now, aren't they? <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to, I'm trying to weed out the serious ones or not. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. So you didn't intend to go into education. It just, it sort of, you know, fell into your lap and kind of kept rolling with it from there. Yeah, but, you know, I didn't even think about becoming a teacher. I, I went to school to do something creative. One of my high school teachers told me, which was great. Like, this is what I try to do with all my kids and, and all of my former students and everybody that works here as interns is you got to get interested in something if you can before you go to college or if you don't go to college, find a career that you love, which I think either one is great. Um, and luckily I had a teacher that said, you know what, man, you, you do a lot of fun stuff. We were using old VHS cameras for projects and stuff like that. And she's like, you got to look at TV broadcasting. I think that'd be a fun career for you. And I checked it out and that's, that's what I did. And I thought, you know, I, I did some radio broadcasting at Alabama and did some TV, TV work here at Michigan state. So I thought I, that would have just been my career. And my first job really out of, out of college was working for Comcast cable in the TV department. And, but my job was to help support the school districts and help the kids shoot the football games and help the kids shoot movies and and things like that. And I just fell in love with it. I'm like, Oh, this is great. I can use all this equipment and I get to, you know, videotape sports and help kids and just turned into then I turned into a 17 year veteran in the education system. So didn't really, didn't really plan on doing that, but, but did it. And then, you know, after uh, 17 years, I kind of got burnt out and I was sitting there in August, 2009, no, 2011, sorry. Talking to my wife, and I said, "You know, I'm just not having as much fun." I was teaching some other technology classes, like PowerPoint and bullshit like that, and I didn't want to do. 
and and just uh, I'm just not having fun, and I just don't enjoy it, and I don't think I'm doing a very good job anymore. And so, were you were you spending most of your time teaching rather than actually working on the production side? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was teaching classes. You know, I taught four classes and intro to video, intro to media issues. Uh, I taught an advanced TV class and we were covering the games, but you know, most of it was me teaching. And then I was working, you know, Friday football, I was working 15, 16 hour days, you know, where ha- all of my other teacher friends were going home at two 30, but still complaining. And uh, <laughs> I won't get into that. Subtle job. But, so then I just, I, I, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you should read some of my blogs. I always complain about that, but, uh, so then I just kind of decided to quit. Luckily my wife was, is working and she's got a great job and she said, go for it. And, uh, and I said, all right, I'm gonna start a company. And the week after I quit my job, uh, I got an office in the incubator there in East Lansing at the tick. And I was like, woo, we're, we're a marketing company. This is gonna be awesome. I got my own desk. I got my own space. And I'm like, awesome. I'm a business owner. And then a week later I was like, shit. What did I just do? You know, I have no idea how to run a business. I didn't have any. Talk money. about having a rock star, rock star of a wife. I actually, I haven't haven't met your wife, but yeah. um, the fact that she was just like, yeah, just go for it. I mean, that's that's uh, you've got a supportive background if you have that right off the get go. Yeah, and she was, and still is today. You know, she's a she's a physician assistant, and she just works her butt off. And there's no way in hell not just financially because we you know we could have survived on one income and we did frankly for a long time um but there's no way i could have done it without her just supporting me and being okay with the fact that maybe i didn't want to get out of bed that morning because i didn't think things were going very well and there's still some times like that you know the the challenge of being a business owner and i think of a ceo is is that you're kind of alone and I, and I call it, <laughs> I'm going to write a book one day and we started on it and it's not going to be how to run a business. It's going to be how to not run a business and, and all the mistakes and all the terror that you feel as a CEO. And, and, and you're difficult. It's difficult because you're on this thing that I call the lonely CEO Island. You know, it's all CEOs on this dark Island and it's not fun and we're all heads down and crying and we don't have any answers. We're just crying and hugging each other <laughs> because when you're stressed out as a business owner, you don't have anybody to talk to because you can't tell your staff that you're worried about cash flow, you know, and we've got 12 people here on staff. Um, you, you can't tell your friends cause they don't get it. You don't sometimes want to tell other business owners because they get it, but they don't want to hear, you know, you want to tell people that things are going well and they don't have any answers for you. Cause they feel the same way. <laughs> you know, they're like, that's like, yeah, that's shit, like one man, of the just toughest wait. things. I, like I can totally relate to that in the sense that like yeah. you get it, you get a group of 10 or 15 CEOs and you ask the question, like, how's everything going? And everybody's saying, great. Nobody sitting there is feeling like things are going great, but there's this concept that like, oh. you can't really admit, like you can't ever actually admit that things aren't going well, but you also have to s- deal with the fact that like, you know that, but you can't present the, it's it. Oh, I, I would read that, help write that in a heartbeat because I totally can relate to all that. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the plan is I don't want to write the whole thing because we didn't screw up that much. We screwed up a lot and there's a lot of things that are going well. You know, I want to get I want to get war stories from these other CEOs to say, hey, man, tell me how you really feel. And 
I wrote the intro paragraph and shared it with my writer here on staff. And, and I shared it with my sister, who's a uh, English professor down in Georgia. And she's like, both of them are like, Bri, is it, this really how you feel? And they're like, I don't think we should start with this. It's really depressing. <laughs> and I'm like, so, yeah, well, man. I mean, I, when I wrote it. Yeah. Well, I was I, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off on that. That's all right. What is one thing that like throughout your, your lifelong of mistakes that you feel like that you might have been self-conscious about your mistakes, but actually you did really well. Yeah. And I think that you hit it on the head there, man. I, I think Matt, that, that is that constant battle in your head is probably one of the worst things because things on the surface are going really well. Like, my employees love their jobs. For the most part, we have a really good reputation. People like us, uh, our clients like us, but when one client doesn't like us and 90 do, that's hard to take. I'm like, Oh, you know, I take it like, Oh, we're screwing up. We're not, I'm going to run this country or this, <laughs> this, this company into the ground. They're going to tell everybody and they're going to, no one's going to want to work with us. Well, no, that's true. And so it's those little things that you have to have that negative self-talk. And, and I've always been kind of like that, but I also think that a lot of CEOs and especially in the creative field are, are wired like that anyway. So it's a terrible idea for us to go into business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's a unique yeah. balance because it's uh, a lot of times, not all the time, but it's, um, some like driven by some ego, typically at the top, not all the time, but a lot of times, like, there's also a lot of really amazing, confident CEOs and the balance between being confident and yet at the same time, really, really caring what people think about you in a good way, in the sense of like, I've got 90 customers and I want them to like us, but that one that doesn't like, it's causing the world to come crashing down. I mean, that is yeah. like, that's such a weird balance of personality. And I, I don't really know anybody who does it that well. Yeah. And, you know, I have to be careful of, you know, I get mad about the stupidest things. Like I'll go on one of our competitors, Facebook page, and they only have, this is going to sound really stupid. Um, but this is how I'm wired, man. I'll go on one of their pages and let's say they do social media for clients. Well, you know, they've got 200 likes on their Facebook and do a shitty job with their own marketing and they're still getting tons of work and they're, and they're doing really well and they're growing. As far as I know, they're doing really well. I just assume that they are, they might not be, but where, you know, where we do a really good job on our personal stuff, I made that important to say, look, man, if we're going to do social media and video and web and all this other stuff for clients, we better make damn sure that our stuff is on point. And so I look at those kind of things. And I look at some of our competitors work, which is great. Uh, some of some of the video teams that are here in Lansing, uh, that are, I guess, competitors, there's plenty of work. So I'm not really that concerned. I'm always like, Oh, man, they're doing really good stuff. We got to do this. And I think that's good. I've got I've gotten to a place where I'm okay with it now and I'm just like, man, I'm they're doing really good work. And eh, maybe we need to step up and you know, we're doing better in this area, but we always got to get better. Um and so I'm getting better. 8 years later, I think I'm in a place I'm better than I ever have been in how I feel personally and emotionally day, day to day. Now I ask my wife, she'd probably disagree with you, but <laughs> how does uh how does you being a pretty competitive person um how has that matured through the years i mean i some of that i feel like you answered just kind of in that last question but obviously you're you're a competitor and yet um you now at least in the years that i've known you have a very level head about you so how have those two things balanced 
Yeah, you know, I'm not very competitive um, in general. Like, I was a decent athlete in high school, but now, you know, I've been out of there for a long time. Like, I'm not really that competitive. Like, my desire to win in that side of me uh, and and what other people think on that side, not important. But I don't think anybody would call me a fierce competitor uh, here or somebody like, man, he just has a lot of drive. Um, but I think what they see is, I think why people follow me in a, in a, and if they do, and I'm speaking mostly of my employees is because they trust me and I'm a really good leader and, and I do what I'm going to say I'm going to do. And, and, you know, they, I think the biggest thing is they trust me and, and I am who I am. There's not some, I mean, people see me at work. I'm the same person outside of work. And I, I think that kind of thing. And I do want, so if that's hard for me, cause I don't feel like I'm a competitive person, but man, I want to win <laughs> and I want, I want to get more work and I want to beat out some other people on some things as well. Um, for the sole reason of, I want to be able to, uh, give my employees more. I think they have a pretty good schedule right now. I think they all feel like leaders in their own right. I think they have a great work environment. Um, I could probably pay them more, um, but I can't do that until we, have, you know, all of our systems in place and we get more work, you know? So that's always seems to be our biggest challenge is, is cash flow. That's one of our, that's the only thing I lose sleep about. Has that always been the case? Yeah. Oh yeah. Always. Um, and I, and going back, I think if we sorry, could sorry, sorry. Thing- what I, I, uh, what I, one of the, the way I wanted to ask that question was not has cash flow always been the case, yeah. but has, yeah. has cash flow always been the one thing that kept you up at night or was there other things? Yeah, for the most part, you know what, man, I can deal with, and we don't have very many employee problems. I never thought we would have any cause I'm a dumbass, Um, and I never thought I'd have to fire anybody, <laughs> but, uh, well, we've had to do both and we've got some employee issues here and there, but we're all in a single office and we all share space. And so we're pretty good family. Um, but yeah, I can deal with that stuff. I can deal with angry clients if we have them. I can deal with things we mess up. I don't, you know, I'm okay with mistakes. So most of that stuff to me is easy. Um, it, it's the cash flow thing. It's the, I got 12 people out there that have families. A lot of them do, um, that can't really skip a paycheck. They could probably skip one, um, but they couldn't skip two. Uh, and that's a big weight on my shoulders. Um, so where you and I, you know, me for sure. Cause my wife, if, if I didn't get paid and sometimes I haven't, if I didn't get paid for a month, it would suck. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but we could make it. Um, some of these people out, out in our office here, that would, they'd probably have to find another opportunity. Now we haven't missed a payroll ever, but every couple of weeks, it's something that's in the back of my mind. Okay. Is this check coming in? Is this coming in? Are we doing this right? And that's what we've been focused on for the last three months is how to make that not be an issue. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that no matter what size organization you're in, that's constantly a problem no matter what. Yeah, see, and that doesn't help because I yeah, exactly. people, it makes, yeah, you, you know? makes you feel probably worse, actually. <laughs> I know. I wish somebody would say, oh, man, that gets better. Fuck, no one has told me that. And I, and I talk to people that are more successful and bigger and in different industries and in the same industry. And they all say, Hey, they either say, I get it. Um, we found a way that makes it a little better. Or they'll say, shit, man, just wait till you have 20 people. It gets worse. I'm like, don't tell me that. I want you to tell me it gets better. It's, it's amazing. It's rainbows and everything, but they don't, but there is a way 
Um, and one of the mistakes I think we made early on and is we didn't focus on sales. You know, my background was in education and creative stuff, man. I didn't know a thing about business. Um, I didn't know a thing about sales and stuff just kind of came, you know, when we started, we were small and we were making some money and I had one person with me or something. And then we just kind of work kind of came and now we're to the size that we can't just hope work comes. Now we'll still take that. That still happens by reputation, but we have to have a strategic sales plan and it has to be put in place and written and followed by all. And it has to be done every single day. At what point during the course of the, your company growing from, I think you said one and now, now you guys are up to 12. At what point did you realize that that was a necessity? To hire more or the sales? No, the sales. Yeah, you know, that was, it was probably, I would say about two or three years ago when we finally got a sales trainer. So we've been doing Sandler training for a couple years. Um, and even though he really made that important to us and he had helped us do things that we weren't doing. And for us in the marketing business, the, the typical, um, lifestyle of a proposal or lifeline of a proposal. I don't, I'm trying to think of the word, but life cycle is somebody calls you says, Hey man, we need a website. I'm like, great. When can we meet uh, next week, two o'clock? Great. So we go there, talk to them, figure out we're like, great. We'll come back, write a proposal, we'll send it to you. Well, we were just emailing these proposals out. Cause that's what, what we thought we were supposed to do. What Greg at Sandler training told us to do. He's like, don't ever, like they freaked out when I told him we emailed proposals, <laughs> but I had a heart attack. They said, don't ever do that. And they're like, how do you know how much money they have to spend? I'm like, I don't know. We just kind of figure it out. And he's like, you don't ask them. I'm like, you can't ask people what their budget is. He's like, why not? So little things like that, that we put in place that now when we go into a meeting, by the, by the time we're done with that initial meeting, we're pretty damn sure what should be in that proposal and how much money they have to spend ish. So our chances of getting that contract when we go back and present it to them in person are pretty damn good. So that's helped. I mean, that originally has really helped. Beginning this year, I talked to the staff and I talked to the team. I said, hey, man, I, I need your approval on this because we do everything by approval here. I said, I really want to hire a salesperson. I think it's time. Um, I think the, it's going to make the budget tight, but I think we need to do it because I don't want to be the one going out all the time. I love talking to people, but I don't want to be the one hunting. And so finally, for the first time in eight years, we have a dedicated salesperson on staff and she's been here for 30 days. <laughs> so probably should have done it a couple of years ago. I don't know if we weren't ready or I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer. Uh, you're alive, you're alive today. So that's, that's enough of a tale to say you've done some things, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is we've grown to where we are today at our revenue numbers and it's not bad. We need, I know what we need to be not cash flow. I know what we need to do not to just get more work and then add more staff and be in the same hole again. I'm pretty confident that we can bring on the type of work that we want to bring on that we're actively looking for with the right dollar amount for that work with the current staff that we have now in theory. <laughs> this is all in theory, my friend. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is the core mission of Michigan Creative? Yeah, and I love when people ask that question because I what I used to say, because this is what I thought you're supposed to say is, oh, we're a, a, you know, we 
we create, you prosper, Michigan grows, you know, we're, we're a marketing machine, we're full service marketing, blah, 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 blah. So now my mission is simply this. And I tell this to every client that comes to know us is I really believe that a business's purpose is to improve the lives of people that work there. I've always believed that that's always been in our manifesto. It's always been a part of our core values is that my job and my responsibility is to build a business where everyone can love what they do. They're paid enough to make a really good living and support their families and never have to go somewhere else again. Now that's not going to always happen. You're going to have people come and go, but I think if I can keep that and keep that mindset and have my employees actually believe it, and I think they do, <laughs> um, then I think we're pretty good. So that's my mission. Now on the surface, that sounds great. We also have to do work. So we, we call ourselves a creative agency. Um, so we're a creative ad agency that provides web video, um, branding, digital marketing, and, and, and print and social media. So we are a full service marketing agency and we love working with the manufacturing side. We have a lot of clients in the manufacturing skilled trades area. Um, and then we also like working with uh, larger associations and, and small businesses and anybody that really doesn't know who they are. And man, you'd be surprised. We walk into some of these big businesses and they don't have a brand standard guy. They don't even know what their message is. They don't have their core values in line. And so my favorite thing to do is to go into these businesses and talk to their employees and figure out who the hell are you guys? And what do you want the public to know about you or your customers to know about you? Because until you know, we can't tell them. And so once we do that, then we can create a new brand for them or update their brand, get a website and some video and start to actively market for them with a consistent message that's agreed and followed by all. So that's our favorite thing to do. Now, of course, we do just websites or we do just video and things like that, too. But if I could do, you know, 20 clients that all needed us as their brand ambassadors moving forward, I would love that. So what would you say is the like over the course of. You guys have been open, you said eight years, right? Yeah, almost to the, like next week would be eight years. Hey, congrats. Well, I don't know when this plays, but anyway, the first week of August. <laughs> Fair is enough. Our, is our, yeah. The, um, the, uh, over the course of eight years, what would you say is the, like, was there a moment that stuck out to you that said, damn, I love what we do for, for specifically a customer. And then I also want you to say specifically for an employee. Yeah, I've got really two good stories on this. The, the, the customer one, and I tell this a lot to our, our clients that ask us the, almost the same question. They're like, you know, tell me about a client success. And I think it was for the solutions group in Ann Arbor. Um, so the story with this one is, and I'll try to be quick, but I love speaking uh, to groups of people. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, my, you know, I want to be a keynote speaker one day. I'd love to. So if anybody's out there and need key, I'll work for free. Um, and I, I love doing that because every time we get something from it, so we get a client from it. And sometimes it's not till months later. And we had two most recently that had come up. I spoke to a class at Michigan state, I think a year and a half ago. So a year and a half later, some girl gets a hold of us, Kayla. And she's like, Hey man, you spoke in my class. I'm out working in Detroit and I've got this family friend that owns a construction business. And I'm like, great, love to help. So I'm thinking, that's eh, probably this little tiny construction company. But no, you go to, we go to Southfield. They're huge and they need everything. And that was from me speaking to a class for 20 minutes. 
And the other one that I really like is, is the solutions group. And I spoke at a WordPress conference, but I spoke about video and eight months later, um, Wendy gets a hold of me and she says, Hey, I saw you speak at, at WordCamp. We're thinking about doing some video, but on your website says you do everything else. We'd love to talk to you. I'm like, sweet. So we go to Ann Arbor with the team and we meet with a CEO and we meet with a COO and they're just crazy lunatics. They're awesome. I mean, they're, they're creative. They're, they're one of them's got a British accent. The other guy lives on his boat and they're just awesome. And they run a software company with these 30 millennial you know, card playing Dungeons and Dragons computer dorks who are amazing and brilliant and they just do all kinds of stuff. And that's their company. And they make software for large corporations um, that are not getting what they want from their current software. So they take a bunch of data and they do stuff with it and they make it work. <laughs> and that's all I knew about them at the time. And we sat there and listened to them probably for four or five hours. And they're like saying things to us like, well, we're a software company, but we don't want to be called a software company, but we, all we do is software and <laughs> my eyes are glassing over, man. And I'm like, I don't know if we can do this. And then the CEO says to us later, once we won the proposal, he's like, you know, man, the reason why you guys got this was because you're the only team that actually sat there and listened to us. You didn't come in there with a bunch of ideas of how we need to do sales and a bunch of PowerPoints and all this data. You just sat there and listened for four hours. And he's like, honestly, I didn't think you were going to get it. But then we saw the light bulb go off. And once you started figuring out who we were and helping us develop a new brand, we knew you were the team. And that to me was like, oh my God, that's what I want. That's the company that I've been trying to build. You know, we want to be ones that can listen. And, and one of our core values right now is that, you know, every problem has a solution. And, you know, and I really got that from a lot of our staff, but also from my career in education is, you know, we always had people, staff and education that would complain about a lot of things and policies and all this other shit, but no one wanted to do anything that was outside of the contract. And it drove me crazy. I'm like, I'll do whatever it takes. You're paying me to do a job. And so we feel here that no matter what, every problem, both internally and externally has a solution. And that, that problem might be, Hey guys, we really screwed up on this client. And the solution is we need to tell them that, and we either a need to fix it or find them a different company. And that's a solution. It's a shitty solution, but it's a solution. So that to me was one of our greatest, I think things. And I want to be able to do that for multiple companies is sit there, listen, interview their staff and help them develop a new brand, a new logo, new colors, new website, new video. And that's what we did for the solutions group. I love that. That's such a cool story. That's that, that's gonna, well, yeah, that, that was fun. Maybe keep you up at night in an exciting way. It did. And it, you know, it did. It's funny. Now I can talk about it. Like it, it was great and awesome, but you're right. man. <laughs> there were times when I'm like, I don't think they're going to like this. I don't think they like Jen's logo. I think the website looks like shit. And it's maddening. It's absolutely exactly. Maddening. Exactly. I get that. Love that. So, all right. The, the, the big and my, my favorite question to ask in this. And one of my favorite questions to ask of all time is, you know, what is it ultimately that gets you specifically out of bed in the morning? Yeah. You know, when, when things are going well, and when I think that maybe I had something small to do with where we are today, 
and I struggle with that. Um, and I know that I have, I guess, a day full of not a lot of meetings, not a lot of travel where I can come in and work with the staff and help them. And, and in any way that I can, I think that's what gets me up. And it's, you know, when things are going really well and we have, you know, good cash flow and everything's good and all my employees are healthy and happy. I love coming in. I mean, I literally could do this for the next, so I'm 46. I mean, I could do this for 20, 30 years. Um, because, you know, my, I think being a teacher for so long, it, the, the necessity for me to train, teach and develop leaders has always been there. And if that's my role and my only role is to teach and train and help our leaders that are in our company and then to talk to clients to get them to come in here, I'm golden. Sitting behind email, you know, doing stuff that project management, I, I hate doing all that stuff and I'm terrible at it. Um, but talking to you on a podcast, I think that's something I would love to do more of um, and definitely working with the team. Uh, and then going in and listening and solving customers' problems. I think that those things, I think I can really look forward to. So those are the days I look forward to for sure. And do you, um, oh, go ahead. Keep going. My favorite time in here, because we have a shared office, man, only no one has a private office. I'm hiding back in our equipment room right now. So it's quiet. <laughs> I don't even have my own office, but my favorite time is because my employees don't come until like nine. And I usually don't either, but sometimes like today I got here at seven and, you know, for two hours it was quiet and I could look around and our office looks cool and there's computers and, and desks and, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's like, shit, man, this is all stuff that we've built, you know, over the last eight years, like it's all here and, and it's actually a real company. You know, it's funny that you would have to remind yourself that you own and run a company, even though your signs on the building and, and that kind of stuff. It's just, you have to remind yourself sometimes that you were a part of making it, it what it is, I think. That's special. That's uh, especially in the morning, just a little bit of quiet time and you stop and yeah. lean back in your chair before the day gets busy. That's, that's powerful stuff. Yeah, it's cool. It's fun. Have you, uh, have you thought about starting your own podcast? I, you know what, here's the thing is I have one. Um, it's called the business machine. I haven't done it in about six months and we only talk about mistakes. And so my, my planning of it, I've done like 75, I think we had like 60, 70 episodes, somewhere around there. And then I stopped for a little bit. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to pick that back up again. And then we also have one that's on terrestrial radio. If anybody knows what that means, uh, it's on an AM station here in town. And then across the state, uh, it's a, a show called skilled and it's a radio show that talks to people who are involved in skilled labor and talks about all the cool jobs that are available. So we do have that and that's a podcast as well, but I need to pick up the business machine again. Cause I just love doing it. Yeah. That's amazing that uh, I'll, I'll make sure to take a listen on that then. Cause that's, I, I, I figured that if you're in the process of potentially writing a book designed around CEOs and the mistakes that founders and CEOs have made, a podcast is a great way to gather a lot of material on that. And that's what we did, man. As I thought, I'm like, man, I want to write a book but there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to write a whole book myself. I just don't have enough stuff. I mean, I've only been in business eight years and who am I to tell somebody how to run a business, you know? So we started the podcast thinking, okay, cool. Well, I can write about some of my stuff that we did and things that we're doing now that are better. And then I could ask all these other people about 
you know, what did they screw up and what do they wish they would have done? And now what are they doing? I think that'll be valuable. Like I really want to call it how not to run a business, but I don't know. I don't know if that'll fly. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be the first, uh, first listener slash first purchaser of the book. Cause I could use a, I could use cool. a lesson or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. That's awesome. Brian. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. This is awesome. I know we've, uh, we've probably got round two and three, and four coming up more episodes, but this was an awesome start. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, I really appreciate it. And I love what you're doing there with Wedge. And I just, I'm really super proud of you and what you guys have done. And I know it's going to be a success. So we'll be talking, man. We got a lot of stuff to do together. Yeah, baby. All right. Thanks, man. All right, brother.